0: Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and
1: guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I have a really good interview for you. This is by far one of my favorite interviews, and I've interviewed a lot of people. I interviewed Larry Hagner, and he is the founder of The Good Day Project, And he is the host of the dad edge podcast. I was going to talk to him about raising anxious kids from the father perspective, but I walked away from the interview with so much more than that. He shares a lot of wisdom just about life communication and how to inspire our partners instead of trying to change them or control them. And really when we inspire and we show gratitude towards the people in our world that we love, change happens naturally. So it's a really good mindset shift. And I would love to have him back on because he was brilliant. And I'm actually going to be on his podcast in the next few weeks. So stay tuned. I will let you know. So you can go over to his podcast and check out that interview as well. Don't forget to check out his podcast, the dad edge podcast. Um, I started binge listening to it because it was so good. And I told my husband, he has to listen to this, even though he doesn't listen to podcasts normally, because I really feel like this guy resonates with men. And I think my husband would totally resonate with his message. And maybe your husband would as well. This episode is also a really good one for dads to listen to. So if you have a partner who is open to listening to my episodes, definitely have them check out this one. Here's my interview. I want to welcome Larry to the show. He's from the Dad Edge Alliance and podcast. He's got a lot of awesome information. I'm so excited to have a dad on my show.
2: <laughs> I'm excited to be here. I love your show. I love your podcast. Thank you, Google, for allowing me to find you.
1: Yes. Thank you, Google, too, <laughs> because I have fell in love with your podcast, too. And it's a really good one. Just listening to it. And I was trying to get my husband to listen to it, too. So we'll get into all that. Um, it's really good to get the male perspective, and it's even better to get the father perspective, I think, because a lot of times I think as parents as as moms we struggle. so before we get into it, could you give us a little bit about your journey and how you came to do what you do?
2: sure uh, I can I can I can usually wrap this up within about two minutes or so. so um, basically, my story is sort of Odd, interesting, sort of, but my parents were married in 1971. I was born in 1975. By the time I was nine months old, my parents got divorced and my dad was gone. Never saw him. My mom got remarried when I was four. They got divorced when I was 10. Um, He was a great guy. Uh, He adopted me, took me in as as his own. Uh, Unfortunately, he had a drinking problem and uh, he was verbally, mentally abusive uh, when he was drinking. Super nice guy when he wasn't. Uh, So that was 10. By the time I was 12, something interesting happened. I started asking more questions about my biological father and all that stuff. And I had an opportunity to meet him at 12, which was really cool uh, and also very nerve wracking, right? So our our relationship lasted only a few months, unfortunately, and then he was out again. And he had gotten remarried, had a two-year-old son, another one on the way. And I think at at that point in time for him, life was just very complicated. And so fast forward to I was 30 which was two years ago. I'm kidding. It was 13 years ago. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh, thank you. Uh, So 13 years ago, I was in a Starbucks and my dad came walking in and I recognized him right away. It had been 20 years, but not much had changed. And we ended up, uh, I won't go into the detail of how we connected, but we ended up talking, getting together now here we are, thirteen years later, and we have a relationship. I have two younger half brothers that I'm really close to. He's been married to the same woman for forty years. Uh, we we don't necessarily have this father son relationship. We more have a friendship, which is fine. I think that's what serves the relationship very very well. But going back to my childhood, really just had uh, half the half my childhood was spent without a father figure, and the other half was my mom was married three times. Each guy was. Uh, usually some sort of addict, usually some sort of alcohol was involved or drugs or whatever else. And then usually that relationship was really, really toxic, right? So half the childhood was without a dad, half the childhood was usually with some sort of toxic male figure. And I'm not sharing this out of pity. Uh, if anything, I am I'm grateful. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's taken a lot of work to get, (laughs) to get to this place, but I'm grateful for what that journey gave me because it gave me a great example of, of what not to do. Right. But I had this awakening in 2012 because as much as I wanted to be this great father, I was kind of stuck like in this limbo. And at the time, I had two boys, uh, six and four. And I just I knew exactly what not to do, but I didn't know what to do. So I was like really stuck in this middle road and I was not showing up the way I wanted to. Like I, I was the typical guy. I was the typical guy that we serve now, which is didn't have a lot of patience. I was had a hot temper. I was frustrated. I got all my validation through work. You know, I was really great at my job. So I, that's where I spent my time. You know, that's where I got my pat on the back, my attaboys, you know, blowing out quota or doing whatever else. It wasn't the best when it came to marriage either. I wasn't the best communicator. I kept everything inside. I wasn't vulnerable with my wife. I didn't connect with her. And, you know, it just really had this awakening when I was, when my my youngest was four at the time, I spanked him and I spanked him so hard he hit the ground. And I knew at that point I was like, I've got to do something different. And it was at that moment that I was in my office. I was sitting at my computer and I was on social media and the words, uh, good dad project just came out and it was, I created a group, a page for it. And good dad project was actually me. I was like, I'm done living this way. I need to be better. And I'm willing to just be a student at this point. And so I just opened myself up to it. And then in 2015, I wrote the book, the dad's edge. And basically how I wrote that book at did not come from an expert point of view. It was like more, more or less, like hey, I've learned a few things, and it was more like having a conversation with my best friend. Same year we started the podcast. Podcast been around for four years, uh, and you know, here we are today. Uh, we serve uh, thousands of men now. Uh, podcast has been a huge success, and I still, um, I'm still a student of this. Um, st- <laughs> there isn't a day that goes by I don't make a million mis- mistakes. And, but that's the cool thing about it is the podcast and the platform has really given us a community to, to, to be a student and, and to learn. And that's, that's what we do, you know, is, is to continually learn.
1: I love that. I think, you know, I feel like we're all students. You know, I think anyone who thinks they know everything about whatever they talk about doesn't know anything because we're all, we're all learning. We're in parenting and marriage in relationships in being human. We're all learning. So uh, and I, I like that, that humble approach. I, I want to ask you, and I know you have four kids and we were just talking before the show that one of them has anxiety. Is it your 11? You're now 12 year old.
2: 11.
1: 12. I mean, 11. Okay. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> like, good. Let, let I can't how, keep them straight either. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me tell you how old your child is. <laughs> yeah. But I wonder, and we'll just jump right into it. Like, How do you, how do you get your partner to have an epiphany like that? you know, I was hearing you describe yourself pre, um, you know, all of this, this aha moment that you had that, that came from a very dark place, you know, where you just were not happy with how you parented. But I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are like, how, how can I get my husband to, to take a step back? And and maybe we don't control that as, as women. I don't know.
2: I, I don't think women do. And I don't think women should necessarily carry that burden. You know, it's kind of like, um, and, and not to compare, a, <laughs> a a a wonderful husband to like my mom who, who drank a lot, you know, as much as I wanted her to stop drinking, there was, I was powerless over that as much as I would try to show her like, man, it's just, her, our relationship's so good. You know, when you're not drinking and all these great things happen when you're not, it, it doesn't really matter. It it sort of falls on deaf ears. Right. Yeah. You know, we always say that, um, when when the student is ready the teacher will appear right not not to say that men need teachers but i will say this one quote that we use all the time in our in our mastermind community which is isolation is the enemy of excellence and most men are living that life that lone wolf right that lone wolf syndrome that we all carry and the one thing i'll share about the lone wolf is that some men look at that and take a lot of pride like i'm the lone wolf i'm strong right that's not the case. The The secret is, is uh, two things happen to the lone wolf. The lone wolf has lost the pack because he's going to go off and die on his own, or he's lost the pack and he's going to go die on his own. So either way, it's not a good ending for the lone wolf. And that's why the, the lone wolf is not a good thing. It's, it's, it's a, it's something that that, that hurts us. And most men are living that way. We're, we're living isolated. And, and if you look out in society, everybody's pointing at you saying, man up, be a man, you know, be tough, be mentally tough, be, be strong. And men are like, well, I can't possibly admit that there might be a problem here or I can't possibly admit that I'm struggling here because that's not what society wants me to do. And certainly not what my wife wants me to do. So I think it gets to that point where you have to understand what men are, are going through mentally. And, and all day long, men are being pulled in a gazillion different directions with their, with their job. Some, someone needs something from them at all times. And I think it's safe to say for the most part, men are not necessarily doing the work, what we call in our community, doing the work that makes you come alive. They're at work, they're getting a paycheck, and a lot of men just feel unbelievably trapped. I can't do anything else. I can't make a career change. I can't do what I love because I have these three or four or five people that depend on me. So that's what's usually going through in, through the minds of men on a professional level. And then on a personal level, I, I say this all the time and it sounds so simple to us, but when you really think about it, think of a guy who is in IT, right? You have to have a, usually a four-year degree or you have to have some serious training to go do that job. If you're a surgeon, you have eight years of education and then a residency and then sometimes even a fellowship to be able to cut somebody open and do something. When you're a father and a husband, number one, you better know how to do it, or at least that's what we think, right? It better come natural to you. And if it doesn't come naturally to you, then chances are you're not a good husband. You're not a good father. But literally, it's like, okay, you're married. Go figure it out. Oh, hey, you know, now your finances are combined. Go figure it out. Oh, hey, you just took this kid home from the hospital. Go figure it out. Best of luck, right? And that's very frustrating when you think of your job, like if you're an IT guy, or if you're a surgeon, let's say you're a surgeon, never had any training, you go in the OR, you scrub in, you put your gown and gloves on, your mask, and they're like, okay, go ahead and do this total knee. Let's let's see how it works out for you. And that's literally what it feels like to us. And it's very humbling, but we can't admit, like, hey, I'm struggling with this. So I think when it comes to women, back to your question of communicating with their with their husbands you have to know where, where those men are probably at emotionally and mentally because that's where we're at. And it's very frustrating for us, but we don't want to tell you that we're frustrated because that's not manly, right?
1: Yeah. And it, it's a good perspective shift because I think that that we as women don't look at it that way. You know, we look at it because I think a lot of times we're more emotionally maybe in tune if you want to stereotype. And totally. so we don't, we don't look at it from the male perspective. We don't look at it from our husband's perspective. We just look at it like they're being stubborn or they're um, not being empathetic enough. And we're not looking at it from that. maybe they feel like a failure or maybe they feel like they don't know where to start. And or maybe they're feeling overwhelmed because they come home and they're exhausted already. You know, just taking a step back and putting ourselves in their shoes first before we kind of approach them um, head on. And it's not going to be received well and never is with a, a, a lack mentality.
2: I totally agree. Um, and I think the other thing too, and you probably know about this more than anybody, um, understanding someone's love language, I think is so important. Um, and I, and I'm sure you already know this, but what I, in, in my experience with men anyway, words of affirmation go so far with a man and yeah. it's very, very far and few between that, uh, we hear, man, I really appreciate you. You are just doing such an amazing job. And I know sometimes you don't feel like it, but you are. And what you do for us and this family and your company and everything you do, it is so appreciated and it doesn't go unseen. That is like gold to a man for the most part. When we hear that, it literally, I think what it does is it just helps us open up a little bit and like, wow, maybe this is a space where I can now be vulnerable back because that that connection has been has been there, Right. And I think what a lot of men do and it's women don't really understand it either. And and they're not meant to is that we try to connect with you guys physically. That's like our thing. And women are like, well, Hey, wait a second. You haven't connected with me emotionally. How do you expect to connect with me physically? Right? So you have the man who's like, okay, like I want to connect. I want to connect. Let's be physical. And then you have women like, well, wait a second. I want to connect with you emotionally first. But I think sometimes that, uh, for, for women and and men to connect, sometimes it it would, it's great for the woman to go first, you know, and, and to maybe share a perspective like that of appreciation, because it does, I think, help the man give back, you know, in in an emotional way.
1: Yeah. And I think having no expectations of I'm going to do this and then you're going to do something back because I did this. And, And I think just giving to give being to be, you know, and and just being present with your partner without any expectation of, okay, I'm going to do this so that you can maybe treat the kids better, or maybe that you can be a better father or a better husband. It's just, I think just starting from just total gratitude yes. of, of what is actually going well. I think that's hard for the parents probably listening, some of the parents listening to, to my podcast, because they're dealing with a lot of anxiety and OCD and things. Their kids are, their child is not doing Okay. And so their focus is more on that child. And then maybe they're educating themselves they're learning approaches. And I, I get emails almost on a weekly basis about how, and in my, in my Facebook group on a daily basis, how do I get my husband on board? You know, he, I'm doing this, this, and this, and he is just, you know, not getting it, you know, or he's yelling and he's getting frustrated. And I think it's coming from maybe a fear of like, I don't know what to do with this.
2: Yeah. I think, I, I think that is so true. Like there's nothing more frustrating. And I think especially for men, we tend to lash out because it's like, I just don't know how to fix this. And for men, as as we all know, fixing is everything, right? We want to fix even to our demise. You know, we want to fix everything, but sometimes we have to, and nothing's more, uh, humbling than not knowing the answer. So we get frustrated. And then the other thing that I think that men do that maybe women should probably realize as well is that men do a lot of shitting on ourselves. We're we're really good at shitting on ourselves like <laughs> all the time. So we you know not only so when a man loses his temper and he doesn't know the answer of how to help his kid out of anxiety or depression or maybe a behavioral issue like they're they're mad, they're upset at the situation, but then they're mad at themselves because I should know how to fix this. And because I don't, I'm obviously not the 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 father I need to be if I don't know the answer. So it's like it's this double frustration. I'm frustrated what's happening externally because like, I don't know what what's up with this behavior, and now I'm frustrated internally because I should know the answer. And no, nothing can make us more unhappier than shooting on ourselves all the time.
1: <laughs> I like that shooting on yeah. yourselves. So ourselves. Shooting that. on ourselves. <laughs> That's a good one for anybody. So so what would you suggest if um, how, how could a wife help their husband or their partner, they don't have to be married, um, and it, it doesn't even have to go, it could be either way, but we're talking about men and women today. How do you get your husband to to recognize your child's anxiety without them getting defensive? Because I know with some husbands, I won't mention mine. <laughs> You know, if you say you should do this or, and, you know, I mean, it's probably 10 times worse in my house because I'm a therapist. And so it's coming from a clinical professional point of view too. So it could be even more demeaning where it's like, don't say that to the kids or don't say that to him. His anxiety is going to go, that doesn't go down well. So how, how can parents approach their partners in a better way?
2: In, in my unprofessional and, and minimal experience, right? So um, th- there's been a couple of, of podcast guests that I've had on that are luckily way smarter than me. And I've been able to, to learn a couple things from them that I can share with you on communication that, that I've seen help. So I, number one, I think going back to like, let's, let's maybe lay the foundation of communication between a, a man and a woman, right? I think what you said earlier is so powerful about not having an expectation to do something or an agenda, you know. I think, I've, you know, from a man's perspective, I'll rub my wife's shoulders if I know I'm going to get something out of it, right? Yeah. Or maybe I'll pay her some compliments. Hopefully, like she'll see me like as more attractive or something like that. And then, of course, you know, women, you know, they'll they'll do the same as well. But I think if you can, and one other quote that we say all the time is, "You know, look at your family and look at your wife through the eyes of appreciation and not expectation." And that's, that's a really powerful thing to do because it gets you off of that agenda and it puts you into that state of gratitude where you're like, I don't have an agenda. I don't have an expectation. I look at you and what you're doing through the eyes of appreciation. So if women can approach their men with, you know, hey, I'm going to come at you through, through the perspective of appreciation, not expectation, I think that sets the stage for better communication. The other thing, too, is I had a guest on who wrote the book called Never Split the Difference. His name is Chris Voss. He was the chief negotiator for the FBI, uh, chief hostage negotiator for the FBI. And he wrote this book on um, on communication. And the book, like I said, is called Never Split the Difference. And when he came on the show, I mean, the book is Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And you would think, like, oh, it's a negotiation book for like salespeople or somebody who's doing something with negotiation. And I joked with Chris, and I was like, your book is like a master's in communication. Like, just some of the things, the way our psyche works, as far as when someone's communicating with us, how we approach them. And so, like for instance, um, I think when women come at from to a man with the approach of, hey, you need to do this. Or you should do that. Or why? I'll get to why here in a second. Mm-hmm. Why are you? Why are you acting like this? I think if you come to come to the person, and this is with any any some, anyone in your life, it could be your kid, it could be your coworker, it could be your spouse, it could be friends, it could be family. Um, I think when you come to a, a conversation, you can say, you know, I just want to just want to let you know that I I've noticed a few things lately that I know our child struggles with anxiety and i just want to point out the other day that when when our when our son was throwing a fit you seemed so calm and cool and collected now side note real quick he probably isn't like that all the time but maybe he had a moment right yeah. where he was able to handle it well if the wife was saying tell me what was going through your mind when you were calm cool and collected because i struggle with this too i really really do i struggle with this too and i want to know what was going through your mind? So maybe I can replicate that when we have those moments as well. What you've just done is you're not, I, I use the term nagging very, very lightly, but that's the way sometimes we view it. when we, when we hear that I need you, I expect you, you should, but when you do that, you're the guy who suddenly feels appreciated and like, wow, yeah, hold on. Let me reflect upon that let me put myself back in that situation because what you're doing is is you're putting that person back in that situation, hoping they relive that moment and then they repeat it themselves. Right. But you're also communicating and they're, they're sharing insight with you. But what you've just done is you've complimented your man and you've put him back in the situation and say, you know, that's a really good idea. So I, so basically, so let's just say the guy was like, you know, I just took myself out of the situation for a minute and I put myself in his shoes And as much as I wanted to react, I somehow created emotional space to just be calm. And I knew that if I reacted hardcore, that it would just be like fuel on the fire. And that's awesome. What if we were able to just sit down and maybe write a family mission statement or a mission statement between me and you that when our son or daughter or whatever else is acting in this way, this is the way we operate. Like, wow, like what an amazing way to come together as a family. Now you feel like a team instead of you need to do this. You need, And the same thing goes for a guy. You know, if, if a guy can communicate that with his wife too, as well, because guys can be guilty of, you need to do this. You need to do that. You should do this. Right. Yeah. So that, that's one way. The other thing too, is, um, so that going to Chris's book, you're putting them in a situation where they succeeded once before and it's easy, to, easy to replicate. And that's also appreciative inquiry that training that we take. The other thing too is never asking your spouse why or, or any, or anybody, why, why
1: is it bad? Yeah. Why is (laughs) that?
2: Why is bad? It puts us on the defense, right? So if you, if you could reframe, you know, the question, tell me more about that. It's fascinating. Tell me more about that. You know, it's a totally different way to asking them why, or give me a reason, right? And why Mm -hmm. puts us on the defense. One other thing too is, uh, getting your spouse to say no, and I'm sure I'm sure you probably know more of the psychological reasons why uh, it, it's more comforting for the person who's being questioned to say no than it is to say yes. When we're forced to say yes, we feel backed into a corner, and it's like we're surrendering our yes. But when you say no, hey, would you have any objection to talking a little bit about uh, how you handled Christopher last week? Cause it was really good. No, I don't have any objection. You know, it, it it's same thing as like when a salesperson calls you and is like. Hey, do you like drinking clean water? Yes. (laughs) Would you like to have clean water on a daily basis? Yes. You know, it's like, (laughs) where are you taking me? I'm already suspicious, you know? Yeah, that's funny. So, yeah.
1: Those are some good points. I mean, first of all, those would work with anybody. Those are just good communications. I mean, those would work with your kids. Yeah. And I I think it comes from a counterintuitive place, probably, when you're already frustrated with your partner, and you have all these expectations but taking a step back and recognizing you know that when you highlight what people are doing well i think just in general they want to do more of it they feel appreciated yes. they feel valued they feel validated they feel heard you know so even if you don't have a husband who's going to process it the way that you just did in a beautiful sort of way <laughs> i think some of us probably don't have husbands that are going to have like that level of epiphany but even if you just say sometimes i'm very like kind of quasi demeaning to myself, you know, even when I'm working with my kids, I'll say something like, I don't know if I would have been able to handle it that way. You know, like I probably would have barked back at him in that moment because that was, he was being really feisty. You -hmm. know, that was awesome the way you handled that. I'm glad you handled that instead of me right then. You know, I think could be a really good approach to foster those moments more because I think you're right. They want to hear what they're doing well. No one wants to feel like a failure.
2: Right. Yeah, praise is so much easier than criticism, right? Well, it I think feels
1: better. Even as it the does. you know, as the person who's giving it, when you're spewing positivity, it tends to feel better. And yeah. it shifts your mindset as well.
2: I agree. I totally agree.
1: This podcast episode is brought to you by Care Of. Care of is a subscription service that makes it easy to get vitamins, protein powder, and more personalized just for you and delivered straight to your door. I am not a spring chicken. And so I know there are vitamins that can supplement my diet that would help boost my focus and definitely my energy. I took their online quiz. It's five minutes. It's super cute. And they came up with the recommendations of what would help for the goals that I wanted. The cool thing is they come to your door, they're shipped every month, and they're personalized in these packets so that you don't have to think about it. You just grab your packet and you're good to go. If you want to try Care-of, you can get 50% off your first order by being an AT Parenting Survival listener. Just go to takecareof.com and enter AT Survival 50 for 50% off your first order. That is go to TakeCareOf.com and enter your coupon code ATSURVIVAL50. So how do you think dads in general can help anxious kids? Speaking from as a dad, you know, and and raising a child who has some anxious personality issues going on, how how would you approach that?
2: Uh, So I'll I'll preface this with um, I suck at this half the time. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Kind of, we all do yeah
2: i wish i was as good as like i tell my i tell my wife this all the time i was like if i could do half the things i talk about on the podcast it'd be outstanding me too Uh, right Yeah, Yeah. yeah but i think that's what makes us human um but yeah so i think uh coming at the approach of empathy with your kids and and not sympathy and not anger right um So let me give you an example. Um, Empathy is like, Hey, let me connect with you where you're at. Right. Let's be on the same level. Sympathy is like, I'm up here. You're down here. Sorry that happened to you. Let me give you a pat on the head. Right. Which is kind of demeaning to anybody. It's demeaning to our, it's demeaning to us. You know, it's like, even when someone passes away, it's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. It kind of makes you feel sort of worse in a way. But if you're like, you know, I totally understand it. My wife or my, my mom passed away last year too. It's, it's, it's extremely hard and it's a hard pill to swallow. I get it. You immediately are like, wow, I I feel better because someone's relating to me versus like therapy. So I think with our kids, when they're going through a tough time, like, so for instance, I went through a really uh, tough time two years ago with it, with a, a sleep episode and suffered, and I. We can get into it later if you want. But I I suffered through that and then ended up dealing with PTSD for about nine months afterwards. Uh, And what I've what I noticed is even here we are two years later and I went through so many sleepless nights, you know, 33 straight days of about 90 minutes, two hours a night of sleep. And I I remember like staring at the wall. And to me, like I've said this to my wife and I don't know if my son has ever heard it, but at night the demons come out. Yeah, you know, the the like, could this happen? I mean, last night was a perfect example. For some reason, I had a hard time, like just uh, trying to get to sleep. And uh, my mind just started racing. Like, what if this is the night it happens again? Mm. You know, like these things start to come out and then your your mind gets carried away. My son, uh, same thing. He's like, and it's hard for him to talk about, you know? So you almost have to applaud no matter how hard the truth is to hear you have to applaud them for being brave enough to tell you what's going on in their mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I think one thing that we're guilty of as fathers and mothers is we should on our kids, we shouldn't yeah. feel that way, you know? And then the kid feels shame and guilt and like, well, I'm not, <laughs> not going to open up to them anymore. Yeah. So I, I think when like, so for instance, my son's like, you know, I, I struggle to get to sleep at night. And tell me about that. I don't say why. Tell me about that. When I lay down, the demons come out. And so he's had to have heard that from me at some point. I'm like, "What? tell me about the demons. The demons are like, I just worry. You know, I worry about school. I worry, I, I replay certain tough tough times during the day with my friends. Um, I, I worry about like, you know, are we going to have food on the table? Are we going to have this? And all these things, I'm like, there's that part of me that's like, dude, we're, we're fine. We're more than fine. Like things are going very well. Like it, you'll never be without but instead of, you know, like, Hey, well, where does all that come from? I don't, I don't really know. I just, I just feel that way. And another quote that we use all the time in, in our community is people operate in certain behaviors because it makes sense to them. You know, so what my son is going through or what your son's going through, your daughter, um, anybody who's listening with your kids, they're operating in a way that makes sense to them at the time. And so, what i've noticed, and I've been guilty of shooting on him is like, "Hey, you shouldn't feel that way like we're fine, you're good, you've eleven year old what problems do you have you know yeah. and look look at you you've got a nice room, you've got a friends, you make good grades, you're playing football, like you don't have any problems and I've been guilty of that, and that just shuts him down on the flip side when I look at him and say, "Dude, I know exactly where you're coming from because. You saw when I went through my sleep thing, and, and for me, the demons come out at well, as well. Would you have any objections to me sharing some insights with you that have worked for me? And again, I'm asking, I'm getting him to say no,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: because that makes him feel more in control. No, I don't. Okay. So when I'm laying there, what I normally do is I try to keep my eyes open because when I close my eyes, that's when the thoughts start to roll. I keep my eyes open and I just start to pray or I just start to think about things that I'm grateful for. You know, and what I, what I notice is, is I can literally feel like my body and my mind start to calm when I put myself in that place of thankfulness and gratitude and prayer. And that calms me down. And maybe what we could do, if you don't have any objections, again, going for the no, um, I'm happy to lay next to you in bed and we can do some headspace meditation. I know you love to read. I love to read. Let's lay, let's lay in your bed together. Side by side, we'll read together and we'll, we'll calm those demons down together. And I think that's a way you can, you know, if you want to feel good as a dad, that's, I that's what makes, I walk out of that room feeling like I did it. I did, I did good. Like that makes me, and then when I walk out of his room doing the other, like, you shouldn't feel that way. You should do this. You should do that. You should be thinking these things. Then I walk out of that room feeling like that sucked. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So that that's what's helped me in the past. And hopefully maybe that helps some of your listeners.
1: I think it's a good shift again, because it's about control. I think all of the, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about is about control, you know, that we don't, we don't control our partners and we don't control our kids. And I think sometimes we're so uncomfortable with how they're feeling that we do shit on them, you know, because we're, and, and especially this might poke at men even more than women because of how anxiety is perceived as, a you know a weakness or um, they're not being brave or a vulnerability that is not masculine and not realizing that it's a physiological condition and you know you can have the bravest kid in the world or the most empowered kid in the world and they can have anxiety or you can have a, a child that you know is just genetically going to have that so I, I like how you're I like the spectrum that you talked about you know as far as not not sympathizing, because I think sometimes people do that because they think they're being a good parent at that point. Let me just be sympathetic. I'm sorry, you know, that happened. Um, Let's just try to make you feel better because I'm uncomfortable with how you're feeling right now. So let's just fix this right away instead of letting kids sit there and, and, and then ask them for permission. I love the way you said that. Ask them for permission to jump in because this is, I say this all the time, if anyone listens to me, this is their journey. You know, we're just passengers on their journey, and so I love how you just asked him for permission to share some approaches. And it was just—it's in such a respectful way that I think kids are going to really, really engage with that more. And if they're not, that's—it's their journey.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And again, I wish I could do this more than half the time. But, <laughs> know, yeah. but the other thing too, I want to share too is—you know—empathy is one. Asking questions. But uh, we're big on emotional validation, you know, validating that emotion. Uh, because, uh, do you know who Gary John Bishop is?
1: No. Do you, is
2: this a clean show?
1: Yes. Sorry. Okay. So he wrote.
2: He, no, it's okay. He wrote the book on F yourself. Okay. It hit the New York Times bestsellers, and he. We had an event last year called the Dad Edge Summit, and we we brought him in to speak. And he is like really rough around the edges. you yeah. he'll, he'll scare you. But one thing that he said <laughs> is, uh, emotions are neither good nor bad. They just are, right? And I and with all your experience, you know that as well. Emotions are neither they are neither good nor bad. They just are. So I think when your kids are spouting emotions, right? And sometimes we're listening to them like, how in the world could you? feel that way like what's wrong with you like some par- like a lot of us we get in that that mindset of like what's wrong with you this got to be a reflection on me if you're feeling that way and then we start to like point the finger back at us like i must be doing something wrong because he shouldn't feel that way or she shouldn't feel yeah. that way but i think if we understand like emotions are neither bad nor good they just are and those emotions make perfectly good sense to that person to that kid to that spouse at the time that they are feeling them and then one of the worst things we can do to, to demean someone is to not validate those emotions. So like when you can sit there and say, I mean, how comfort, how insulted are you when you, when you are vulnerable and you're like, Hey, like, I feel really scared right now about my financial future because like, I just don't know if we have enough, you know, in the, in the pipeline, we have this or that, that is really stupid. Why would you feel that way? You know, like we've got plenty, you're good. We're good. And you're like, wow, I really feel like crap. Yeah. But when you say, man, I totally get it. Um, you know, it, it's that, that, that could be a real fear. And I understand that because, you know, in, in our business, we, we go through the peaks and valleys as well. You know, sometimes I look at our pipeline, I'm like, oh, wow, what's going on here? And maybe some of the things we could ask ourselves is what can I do to fill that pipeline And that that conversation feels very, very differently when someone has gotten on our level and emotionally validated us.
1: Yeah, I think that that that's so important. And I think sometimes parents do personalize it too, because they are over identifying with their kids. And so they're like, they're mini me's, uh, souped up mini me's where it's like, if my mini me is not okay, then I've caused that on some level. And so then there's this extra burden of responsibility where emotions are just emotions and letting kids sit with the emotion and not having to feel like the burden of fixing it and that might be more like um husbands might feel that more so i think moms do too for sure depending on their anxiety levels but being okay with just letting your kids be in the moment my daughter was a total puddle this morning she has to get blood work this afternoon cuz she has celiac so every 3 months we're going to go through this trauma and she's got anxiety and it just wasn't going to be okay today, you know. And and just accepting that, my husband accepted that. We knew today it's going to be a rough morning. It was actually better than I thought. But we just let her be, you know, her very very negative self. And I, and it it there was no fuel to the fire. I think when you kind of accept stuff and you just say, hey, do you want to reset, change the channel in your brain, watch TV, you know, I'll get you some crackers, settle your stomach, you know, and hold your hand. That that could be very effective. You're not owning it. You're not owning it.
2: Yeah, you're not. I mean, that's, that is unbelievable advice.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You had some major gold words of wisdom, and I think it'll be really helpful for uh, the fathers in the audience as well to just hear from a male perspective um, on parenting.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. So,
1: where can people find you? You've got a new fan. I'm gonna just totally like binge your podcast.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, you can. uh, So, Instagram. I'm usually pretty active over there. You can find me at at the Dad Edge. Uh, Everything we do, kind of confusing, but everything we do is at gooddadproject.com. That's kind of the umbrella. We had a brand shift back in 2018 to Dad Edge. Uh, That's why our podcast now called the Dad Edge Podcast. We've got the Dad Edge. Uh, community on Facebook as well. And then we have our Alliance, uh, community, which is, it's a mastermind group of fathers. It's our virtual mastermind community. Uh, we're right now, I mean, it changes every week, but 337 men are doing life together and, uh, you can find all the information there at gooddadproject.com forward slash Alliance. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's where you can find me.
1: Yeah. How cool would it be to get our husbands to get, join the Alliance? (laughs)
2: Hey, that'd be cool. Yeah.
1: I'm going to start working on it right away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. You bet. Did you find that episode to be as helpful as I did? He is awesome. I have to have him back on if he'll come back on because he is a wealth of knowledge. And I did get some bonus uh, tidbits from him for the AT Parenting community. So if you're over in the AT Parenting community, check out the Expert Spotlight page because Larry has some advice to give your husbands directly over there. You can catch him at thegooddadproject.com and definitely listen to his podcast, The Dad Edge Podcast. So if you're enjoying the podcast, you can leave a star on iTunes. There are stars under the title of the show. And if you can click one and show your support, that's greatly appreciated. If you have a few extra minutes and you can leave a review I love to read reviews. I think it's really helpful for other parents to read reviews so they know that there's some value in the show. I always like to show my gratitude by reading somebody's review to end the show. So JK wrote, this podcast has helped to completely reshape how I was thinking about my child's needs. It has taken the shame out of its neurological diversity for my child. Characterizing the anxiety and OCD has helped open up the lines of communication about it. Now I feel informed and like an advocate for my child. I can't thank you enough, Natasha. I'm so glad that that's helped. And I'm happy to hear that it's helped you reshape how you were thinking about your child's needs. I think perspective is so key. So if you have something to write, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. And I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care.
0: When I first discovered Natasha, I was in a desperate place with my son and his anxiety was getting worse. And we had tried counseling And it was not going well. Natasha gave us practical tools. She wasn't like the books that we had read that were you know you have three kids but somehow you can magically spend 10 hours a day on your one anxious kid and just you know life is great for the other two. She's helped me understand OCD on a level that no therapist I have come across seems to understand. Natasha had practical real-life advice that we started implementing the day that we listened to them. Not only did it help with our son's anxiety, it helped my husband and I to recognize the anxiety that we had in our parenting that was actually contributing to our children's anxiety. Her tools are, I mean, life-changing. She has been amazing, and I'm so thankful for the work that she provides to all of us who have children um, who battle anxiety and OCD. It is so exciting to see him About a year later, she's thriving in school. She really has guided us the whole way and without her, our lives would be very different. We're very grateful. My husband and I are forever grateful to Natasha Daniels for helping us to figure out where to even start with anxiety. If you have a child with anxiety or OCD, she is your go-to woman. Parenting a child with anxiety is not easy and sometimes it feels hopeless and in a desperate time in my journey with my son, I started searching the internet and found Natasha Daniels. She has been a lifesaver. Her resources have given me hope. They've given me tools and support, and I, I highly recommend her and her resources. They are phenomenal, and they're some of the best resources you can find out there for anxiety and OCD.
1: Hi, my name is Natasha Daniels, and I understand what it's like to raise kids with anxiety and OCD. I'm doing it every single day. And I also know what it feels like to empower them, to give them the skills and tools to help themselves, to watch them blossom, face their fears, and become more than their anxiety and more than their OCD. And I want to do that for you as well. Join me in the AT Parenting Community Where I partner with you and walk alongside you in your journey, helping you getting to know your family and your child's particular needs and particular struggles. I'll help guide you and walk you through ways to empower your own kids and see success in your house. You will finally have someone in your corner who not only has the understanding of your struggle, but has the expertise and knowledge to help get you through it. You can find out more about the AT Parenting Community at atparentingcommunity.com, or you can text all one word AT Parenting Community to four four two two two. Together, we can do this.
2: She's really good, and I hope I'll be like her. I have had OCD for. Over five years, I have trained my brain, and you can do the same thing.